This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Sarah Cooperman, a friend of mine in the industry for many years, not to date us, but we were here from the inception point when I got involved back in 99. Uh, Sarah, you were uh, an evangelist for Group X. It looks like you were correct. And uh, coming in from Chicago, why don't you uh, give your background for the few people that don't know it and welcome to the show. Well, I've been in the industry, oh my gosh, it's been like 40 years, although I'm still about 49 years old. There you old. go. So anyhow, I, actually, I'm, I just turned 49, <laughs> so I thought we were the same age. There you go. There you um, go. And I did start in Group X, and I actually owned a small studio. Um, when I finished graduating law school, I was in law school, and I was trying to figure out a way to pay rent and just basically support myself. So I started teaching this thing that was back then called aerobics. And because I used to be a dancer and I'm a runner, I kind of squeezed it together and started teaching. And I was, it, it grew and grew to the point I was having 50 people in a class, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, paying $3 each, wow. taking $450 cash while I was in law school. And I thought, I kind of like this idea. I like working three hours a week and <laughs> making money. Um, and I thought aerobics was going to catch on. And so, yeah, when I graduated, I opened a studio. I sold my studio, closed it after a year because I made more money in one day doing educational workshops than I made owning the studio. And it was my passion. I taught people how to teach low impact. It was right at the cusp of the low impact because everybody thought if you don't jump around like a moron and ruin your knees and your hips and your lower back, which of course is all our secret mission is how much pain can we really endure? Um, but if we can do low impact and engage more people in a fitness regime, that was my passion. So I started doing low impact training instructors, how to do this. And I decided one day I was going to do a conference in Chicago and we ended up with like 800 people who came. And I thought, this is important. I like this. That's great. Well, education, Dave and I have been talking about this for years when we finally put our Halo Academy together. And I think if more operators spend time understanding the business that they are running uh, and, and understand that best practices are actually the best, um, you know, you can, you, you, not, everything does not need to be a fire drill. You know, you go into some companies and you feel like, wow, they're running an operation and they're not putting out fires left and right. So a lot of that's from understanding how to run the business and how to hire properly. Um, and networking, I think, is key in, in this industry. Um, so you were kind of at the inception of Boutique Fitness before they actually called it Boutique Fitness. So thank you for your efforts in turning it into a category. Um, you know, as you've um, probably, like us, become somewhat of a entrepreneurial therapist, uh, for, for the last year, you know, what, what are some of the advice you have for groups that are out there? Obviously you've got some conventions coming up later this year that we'll talk about. Uh, but what, what are some of the things that, that you're focused on in helping people, you know, get to some kind of semblance of recovery? One of the, one of the things that's really helped me this year is I I'm on that talk show with Ursa, you know, with Bill McBride and Blair McKinney and Brent Darden and I love being the only woman in the room because somebody's got to be. So I'm happy to be that target. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I really have enjoyed looking outside our industry because I think sometimes we get so absorbed with how we're going to respond to, oh my gosh, am I going to do small group training? Am I going to do pods? Am I going to use bands or bars or BOSUs or whatever B word comes along? Um, and I've looked at like what is going on with transportation? What is going on with real estate? How are these going to influence our industry and really create a lasting impact? And one of the things that I've seen a lot of is these the residential clubs and boutique studios tend to be doing better than our urban our urban environments. Hello, there's there are 16,000 empty apartments in New York City alone. Because mm-hmm. if it's a one bedroom, you know, if it's a if it's a little studio, it's like I'm going to I'm going to I can work remotely. I'm going I'm going back home and I've got four kids and I've already had two of a, two of them, you know, live with me right now. And I want them gone. Okay, so we have to work. We have to. Well, New York just said they're opening up July first, so kick them out on June thirtieth. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> so, but I look at that, and I think real estate is really going to affect us, and that's important for us to look at. And I look at where people do want to go back. They want to go back to the bar. They want to go back. And I'm not talking a ballet bar. I'm talking a bar bar with a with a good Chardonnay and a, and a, (laughs) and a nice beer. Okay. I want to go back to the bar. I want to go back to church. I need my community and the facilities that tend to be accelerating or, or thriving are the ones that can attract a younger population because, you know, they still think they're going to live forever. You know, they don't think, you know, I think we did. We felt that way is also though. Right. I've only come to grips with my mortality, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think when I hurt my knee. Before that, I didn't think anything could stop me. Are we going to talk about knees? I, God bless them. I, I skied for a whole month of February. I come back. I played one pickleball. I suck at pickleball in a pair of running shoes instead of court shoes. And I mm. end up with meniscus surgery, which oh, wow. I've recovered from. But anyway, I look at I look at our industry and I I see younger people coming back, but the people that we really do need to pull back in are our active aging population because they are they've just become so sedentary during COVID. And I also very much worry about that we're bringing in some of our instructors and some of our trainers very slowly. And the others have quit the industry. We're going to have a shortage of our front lines, of our group fitness instructors and our personal trainers. Personal trainers aren't stupid. They've started streaming. They're personal. If they don't need a gym and they can do it with with an exer tube, you know, they're out of there. Yeah, I mean, it's actually one of the biggest um, posts on LinkedIn right now in our industry is, is the rehiring surge. Um, and also some of our clients in New York City, that whole Broadway dance live entertainment uh, ecosystem you know, basically disappeared, uh, which which affected everyone uh, on the talent side. So I think people need to appreciate uh, that talent is powering the boutique studio industry, and you should continue. You should embrace it and bring try and bring back those instructors because they're probably just or more important than your brand. 
I, I just got off the phone with a, with um, uh, one of my staff who actually also teaches at a YMCA. And she said her classes are packed. Her personal training schedule is packed, but it's with a younger population because the boutique studios are out of business. And mm. that's typically where the millennials, and we're talking 23-year-olds to 38-year-olds, that's that was their sweet spot was where the boutiques and they built this tight community. So now these individuals don't have a boutique to go to because a lot of them unfortunately don't run their business like a business. You know, they run it like a passion, but they don't run it like a business and they haven't been able to rebound from COVID. So they're going to end up at these larger facilities, you know, and Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, we've got a lot of you know, HVLP 2.0 and uh, large big box clubs that we've been saying to those entrepreneurs over the last six to 12 months, look, your square footage is actually going to be a competitive advantage again uh, when it wasn't. So to attract some of the best talent, I think they probably need to listen to this podcast and understand that they should pay those instructors, not what they pay for the free group X class that comes with your membership, but pay that person what they were being paid in a boutique because you might not have the direct dollars. Hey, how much did I make on a revenue per class? But you will increase your membership and you will get more referrals and you'll probably, your retention will be better because you've got those rock stars now under your roof instead of someone else's. I think that's a great takeaway. I I did want to edit one thing you said though. You said 25 to 39 as the category. I was thinking 23 to 38. Yeah, I was thinking you could maybe go up to 49 for me so we could (laughs) change my category. That'd be nice. I'm not going to edit the podcast, but maybe next time we talk. we should talk about your knee a little more. We we probably should do do a separate podcast on my ailments that I'm fighting through. Um, (laughs) No, that's great. Um, No, that's a great point, though. We look at these boutiques and... And I do think we can pull some of those instructors. And I think what I would recommend, you know, and I feel like I'm dishing on my own peeps right here, but group fitness instructors don't teach for the money. They teach because they love this. This is their community. This is their family. This is their home. But there are going to be those rock stars that went out and built a whole Zooming community that they're receiving their money from Venmo. Okay, we can pull them in. Don't restrict them from doing this, this Facebook fan group, whatever they've decided, whatever they've built. A hundred percent. Pull them back in. But we could also leverage their their people, their their community and have this group fitness instructor teach a big, huge class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But on Tuesday, Thursday, they're going to do a high end very expensive small group training program where they do, let's say a 50, 50 split with the club. And that's where they can get their, get their money without damaging, you know, clubs don't make that much money. They're like making 15% off their, you know, dollar. I think it's a great point going back to looking at other industries and, and not to plug our halo Academy, but we look at what Zoom was doing. We look at what Peloton's doing. And if you really start with a white piece of paper coming out of COVID, you could almost argue that if I have a big box club, I am effectively a theater or an arena. And the talent that's now built up their own fan base is like a rock band or, you know, a, a, a independent artist. 
So what do I do? I try and book the artist. I don't tell them, well, you can't play this on the radio in my town. I can't, you can't sell DVDs or CDs or streaming in my town. Of course you do whatever you want. Like I'm like your venue. Let me be like your home. I think Mariah Carey's got her own, you know, concert hall in Vegas or something. I don't, maybe I'm dated or maybe I'm not. Um, <laughs> but let's think about it. The talent is let, let's treat them like talent and say, Hey, look, I will cater to your needs instead of, saying, hey, what is it going to cost me per class? Like maybe I'm running a live event, you know? Yeah, and, and that's what we also really need to look at. We need to look at that, what happened during COVID. When everything shut down in March, the people that were out there on Facebook, out there on Instagram, although Instagram has shifted tremendously in this past year, but out there on Facebook, Instagram, what they were doing were they were doing free classes and keeping the communities alive because they they just they loved it and group fitness was the hero and if we don't if we don't pay attention to that i really worry that we're going to lose lose our focus and i had something really odd happen yesterday pete i'm always looking at <laughs> i'm always looking at health and wellness and I look at investments and I look at biotech because my son's getting his PhD in biotech and he bioinformatics, com, you know, computers and biology. And he's working on viruses, believe it or not. There's a lot of viruses out there that are even worse, much worse than COVID that they're trying to prepare for now. And he does a lot of research on that. So anyway, I'm looking at these biotech and I sat in on a webinar. There were about 70 people on this webinar. And it was all about health and wellness investments. Now, my husband does a lot of private equity law and, and venture capital law. So he threw it to me and he said, you, you might be interested. I thought, cool, I'm going to go in there. There were like all these people on there and they're talking about CBD and they're talking about vitamins and they're talking about ways to cure ALS and different ways to figure out with, with a body scan of skin cancer. And I'm sitting there and it's all about health and wellness. Not one person mentioned fitness, not one. I felt like I'm on an Island and I figure this is the number one reason we know this, that people have survived COVID. One of the direct correlations, yes, it has to do with age or smoking, but then it's always, it's, it's about their fitness level. They don't have to be a high fitness level, just a moderate, just a moderate fitness level. But that was the highest determiner of mortality than anything else, than CBD or body scans or whatever. Um, and nobody mentioned it. And I realized it's finances, it's money. We're not in an industry that really makes that much money. And it's, it was depressing, but it also, on the other hand, it's inspiring. It, we are a, a, an industry of passion, but we have to, we have to build this internal community, exercises, medicine, and we need to make the public aware of its importance. So I I immediately put in the chat box, I was like, we're talking health and wellness and no one's mentioning fitness. And I talked about COVID, just a quick little shorty thing. I had a couple people reach out to me, but it was it was pretty distressing. I worry that we need to, to push this message. 
I'm not worried about the in-home equipment that people have purchased. That's not going to damage our business. Right. Uh, people want to go back. The cured, the cured machine didn't, didn't damage Dunkin' or Starbucks either, right? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a nice to have. Uh, and my, my soul cycle bike, unfortunately, is getting a lot of dust on it in the last couple of weeks. So I'm just ready to go back and into a club. For people sure. are ready. Yeah. I think people are ready. And I think I think we need to look at it and we need to provide them, of course. You know, I love what you do, Pete. I listen to your webinars. It's always about customer service. It's always about good business, you know, best business practices. And but we need to implement these things. And we had a long time to think about this. A right. long time, too long, a whole year to look at this and think about this. And yes, people bought in-home equipment and they, you know, I subscribe to a couple. I have a yoga class I subscribe to and a strength training class. I'm done. Get me into the bar. I'm Jewish, but send me to church. I'll go to church. Just get me out of the house, you know, and yeah, I want to no, go back to the club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're starting to see some pretty strong traffic rebounds in most of the clubs that we work with. New York City, you know, it was down 50%. Now it's probably down closer to 40%. Right before we got on, um, you know, that announcement came out about the July 1st opening of, of New York City. So uh, I would never bet against New York City. It's been a bad, bad bet to make. So uh, I think it'll come back. You know, what, what are your thoughts on looking at other industries? Because I'm intrigued by this as well. And we're thinking about just doing something on Nothing about the health and fitness industry. Let's go look at what other people are doing. So, you know, whether it's gift cards with your cable company uh, and not discounting their services like our friends at Promotion Vault are doing, or like just walking into an Apple store or walking into like a restoration hardware and say like, okay, look, they've done the customer research. Like they, they so you get to buy with your eyes. There's a guy, uh, Friedman, I think was his last name, who uh, was the CEO of restoration hardware. And he said, don't put my business into your Excel model. Come and walk my store and understand what my brand represents because it's not in the Excel. Like people will go into my store, they'll buy because I know how to sell and I got the right product. So what else do you think we should be doing? Should we be taking people on tours when they come to Chicago and, a, and your next convention? Maybe we do a couple hours and say, hey, let's go check out a restoration hardware and go down Miracle Mile and see how other people are using technology or presenting their products and services. I really kind of like that idea because I love when I go to Ursa and, you know, if you get there a day before there's a tour, you can go to different clubs. And I, and I do enjoy that. Um, one of the things we discovered during COVID was you really have to train people on the artificial intelligence. You have to train them on technology and everybody is screaming about technology, but that's, to me, that's number one. It has to be seamless. I don't wanna to talk to people on my phone. I don't, want to, I don't want them clicking me into my, into my chat box. I don't wanna get a text message. You know, Obviously, I don't wanna get an email. I want it seamless. I want everything seamless. And that's, that's number one, that we need to focus on something like that. Mm -hmm. That we need to make sure it's seamless. And, you know, I, I, Blair McKinney is one of my, my heroes about customer experience and customer service. Customer service is absolutely without a doubt, number one. And you brought up Apple. You know, 
I love at Apple that you, they just, they bombard you with service. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Where can I take, you know, where can I take you? I'm going to walk you through this product and really take you by the hand. I'm not sure if we're really an Apple store or we're kind of a Lululemon store where we're standing. And Lululemon does this thing where you can't go into the store because they, they only allow a certain number of people because it's like a 10 person rule or something, depending on the square footage. Mm-hmm. So they have a concierge almost in the outside the store. And while you're waiting there, he'll show you or she'll show you stuff in the window and she'll show you stuff on her phone or her iPad. And you're almost pre-shopping and they direct you when you go in. And I don't want to go into a Jewel Osco. I want to go into a Whole Foods. If I ask somebody in Whole Foods and I say, like, it just happened the other day. So I've started cooking, which is kind of scary. I ski as well as I play pickleball. I'm really trying to. You're extremely really, busy woman. You're very I mean, busy. I'm trying to cook and as you well have two as kids I ski, back at home. but I cook as well as I play pickleball. I suck. Okay. I'm great with an Excel chart. I can give you a chart of accounts like that. But How I are you with a, with a, with a uh, frying pan? How's that? I don't know. Uh, how's I, your hit with, I got, I got a great backhand. Um, that's about <laughs> it. But there's, but I want to go into whole foods and if I ask them like where chili powder is, they don't point and say it's down this aisle. They walk me down that aisle. Yep. And, and that's what we need to do. And we need concierge on our floor. We don't need to be exclusive. Like, well, the only reason, the only way I'm going to help you use this piece of equipment is if you pay me because I'm a personal trainer. We need to always schedule people. It's like Whole Foods. It's like Apple, they've got to help you. It's Lululemon. If I'm not ready, oh, I'm waiting for the Group X class to start. You know what? I have someone waiting outside that Group X room, checking people in, saying, what type of class do you like? How long have you been exercising? Oh, you'll love Susie, but she's hard. Don't jump when she jumps. You're a new person. I just want you to bend your knees. Watch. And I find another student Mm -hmm. who you've been coming forever. Why don't, can you help her and make sure she feels comfortable? You know, we need, we need some, we need more touch points. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's such a quandary for some of the health club operators because they see the success of planet fitness, which, you know, God bless them, you know, right. They, They provide an entry ramp if you will, into the fitness industry for, you know, 15 million people at the same time, you know, they're guaranteeing you the same results as going to a laundromat, you know, in in the strip center, you know, three strip centers away from the the main strip center. And and they're not giving you any results or guaranteeing you any results. It's just, you know, Hey, look, we got some equipment. If you, if, if this works for you, like that's mazel tov, that's great. Um, If you go to a health club, Uh, I want someone to ask me every time I come in, what do you want to achieve today? What can I do to make you better or make you stronger? I feel like, I don't like to say the word like anymore. I feel as if there's a disconnect between the, the training of how to form a relationship or little things like you're talking about. Walk someone over to that machine, you know, put your phone, your iPhone away. Like this is not time for you to be communicated except with a member or with another person in the staff. And then 
when you go to a high-end hotel, everyone knows your name. They'll say, Ms. Cooper, Mrs. Cooperman, you know, is every, is, and we're like, hold on, I've never spoken to that person before. So they're talking internally or somebody's got some CRM that says woman with the ponytail who always wears Lululemon in 506 is, this is what she likes. She likes her coffee hot. She likes, you know, and so there's other companies that figured out a way good to do Wi-Fi. This. Give me a good cup of coffee and strong Wi-Fi. I'm yours. You know, there you go. Like, there you go. Thank you. Right. So Interestingly feel, enough, yeah. I did go into a hotel in Denver. My husband and I drove up. We drove all the way from Chicago with the dog in the back. And we drove to Denver. And when we got there, you're already pre-checked in. You're pre-checked in and they should have they should have a way for you to do a QR code or something and check yourself in. So the person at the front desk, all they had to do was not check me in, not not give me a key, not everything was all done. What can I do for you? How can I help you? And I looked at her and I said, you know, I hurt my knee. This is when mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'd hurt my knee. And I said, this sounds weird, but I really need a bag of ice, but not like. Like, like one of those ice chests. I need a bag of ice. She goes, you just wait here. I'm getting you a bag of ice. I thought, how is she going to get me a bag of ice? She went back in the kitchen herself, filled it up, tied the knot, gave me an extra hand towel and brought it out to me. And I thought, I have never experienced this. And I, I, it was a small boutique hotel. Normally we stay at the Marriott. We stayed at this Halcyon hi, you're the oldest person in this whole hotel, but I, we stayed there and it was really cool. So I'm like, I, you get, you, you had me, you had me an ice bag, you know, right. you exactly. had me hello. Exactly. There's a lot that can be learned from other people that spend millions of dollars on their relationship management. And, and it's available for you to view because it's, it's interaction. Sometimes some people would say, I don't want to send out my uh, business plan because other people are going to see it. I'm like, you have a studio already. Like they can just walk into your studio. What oh, are you hiding, right? You know, Tesla actually did all their patents like open source because what they wanted to do is Tesla wanted to be able to find their vendors that could help them and do it more efficiently and do it more cost effectively. So they hmm. open sourced all their patents. And there's, you know, businesses, we might learn from that. I I have to respect Planet Fitness. It worries me a little bit, but I have to respect it because there's plenty of times I walk into the store and it's like, I'm talking, I'm talking on my phone, on my little, you know, AirPod things here. And I'm talking to one of the kids or I'm talking to some, one of my staff and I'm shopping while I'm working and like, don't bother me. I just want to go in, get my get my stuff done and get out and don't try to sell me and don't be friendly because I don't, I don't like you and you smell, you know, I don't want to do it. Unless you got people chasing you around with a uh, ice bag. Yeah. And then maybe (laughs) I'll stop your call for a minute. (laughs) Or Uh, a cup of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things that you, that you brought up, which, you know, all this interaction also relates to the layout of a studio or the layout of a club. I still go into clubs where they have this huge reception desk and it's, well, that, that reception desk, the, the width of that is actually a deterrent for you to have a relationship or allows you 
to kind of sit back and have people doing things under there, you know, doing their phone and chats and everything else here on the employee side. So when you go into an Apple store, there's, if you're an employee, there's really nowhere to hide. Obviously they hire people that don't want to hide either. Um, but I feel like there's a lot that can be taken from other consumer facing businesses that you don't have to spend the money on an architectural design firm because they're already out there doing it effectively. You just have to look. So I think that's a great takeaway. Go, go and do your research on people that are in other industries. And I do like, and it, you just referenced Starbucks. We just kind of laughed about it, but seriously, I walk in, I can have a tall skim um, latte, a tall skim soy latte. They know exactly what I mean. Wherever I am, if I'm in London, okay, I haven't traveled there in a long time, but if I'm in London, if I'm in Seattle, if I'm in Chicago, or if I'm in Boston, I can order the same thing in the same way. And I also went through a period where I didn't teach. I'm now teaching a yoga class, but I've taught, like, I'm a big aqua person. You mentioned water and motion. Love, love aqua. People want to go in, and it's about the customer. And I even and I think sometimes group fitness instructors fall into this. It's all about me. I want to teach just a variety. And every day I'm going to change my class because I'm bored. It's not about you. It's about mm. the customer. They want it. You you said it. They want to feel successful. How am I going to make them feel stronger? You know, and that's where you got to look at people like Les Bills that made this happen. Every 12 weeks, you change because physiologically we get better in 10 to 12 weeks and then we start plateauing and declining with the with the type of resistance we're applying to the body so we're gonna we're gonna change it up systems and and keeping a customer focus i think really works and Starbucks has proven that yeah one other point i wanted to make which is great uh analogy to your less mills every three months if people don't know this but every three months it's a completely new slate of music completely new exercise program and the instructors are then qualified to do that i went in this wasn't for my own purchase but i went into a kate spade store before mm-hmm. covid down in soho okay and, did um, you hear that david it wasn't for his own <laughs> purpose. so I want you guys to think i'm racking up you know credit card bills at kate spade for my own yeah. personal you know, closet yeah I had to get that out there. That was my pre my my preassembled preamble. <laughs> I went in there and it was May. I think it was May first of two thousand nineteen. The reason why I know it was that day is because there it smelled like paint in the store. And I said, "Oh, did you guys just open?" And they're like, "No. Every ninety days, we completely redo the entire store." Oh wow! They paint the entire store. They put up new wallpaper. They change the carpeting or the rugs. They changed the the lighting and it's like, bam, you're in a new store with the new spring collection. And I was like, holy shit, that is brilliant. It, and I'm saying to like health club operators, you know, you can make your group exercise class. Like we're the cycling class. Like we're only in Colombia this month. And then we're going to Argentina, you know, and then we're going to Jamaica, you know, like figure out maybe this is like an educational geographic journey. And, and I'm not going to, you know, have the whole environment change. But it makes sense. You're totally making sense. It's summer, spring, winter, fall. And and I got to tell you, my son lives in San Diego, you know, biotech land. And it's just, it's always beautiful there. And I get it. I like it. But I like Colorado and Chicago and I get different seasons. 
we, as um, my company distributed in um, the Midwest territory, 12 states for a decade for Les Mills. We were their, one of their top sales and we were their longest lasting agent for a decade. And that's how we modeled water in motion. And what we found out was if they're trying to recruit new instructors and trying to attract new members, what we discovered was we do this unique marketing kit for water in motion so that they can do a special Valentine's Day thing or July 4th thing or Cinco de Mayo or mm-hmm. a Christmas holiday or back to school so that every three months they can get this new branding, new social media, we create a new video for them. And all the choreography is new, all the music is new, and it's every three months. But the the student gets to perfect and perfect and perfect and get better so that when they're really performing the movements by the end, you know, it's they know what's come. They, That's great. You know, and now they've reached it. Yeah. So, so in closing here, I feel like we go on for hours and maybe we will at another point and then just start releasing tidbits of this in the future. Uh, <laughs> but would you have any uh, quotes over the years that have resonated with you or things that you like to tell people um, on your end? It's interesting right now here at my, com- at my computer, I put little things that like, if I catch myself doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing as a leader, as a manager, it's like, majoring in the minors don't major Mm. in the minors keep keep a go outside of your own sphere and look outside of it and get bigger pictures all the time that's why you're gonna love you're gonna love our book when it comes out because we're talking about analogies between running a successful business and run and running a a uh, professional sports team and it's like 50 sports analogies similar to what you're talking about if you're going to be in business play as if you're playing for the Yankees. Don't play as if you're playing for the single A team, like play like everything you're doing is major league now. Yeah. Second quote, second quote. What do you got? Second quote. Oh my God. I, got oh, I thought you had another one. I don't know. I something. No, I was looking over at my fireplace thing and I've got this little plaque and it just, it just says wild at heart. And I think it's just for me, it's kind of like taking the risks, like right at the beginning of COVID, we took our entire convention and we put it online. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, my creative director said, oh, my God, this is going to be great. We can run 12 sessions at a time. We're going to do this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We're going to have almost 200 sessions at this conference. We're going to do a Zoom room and we're going to do it through a subscription service because there were no computer programs to run conferences. Like now Mm. they have Hopin. Well, back in March and April, they had nothing. So we had to build our own. So we started marketing this whole conference. And then two weeks into marketing it, and of course it was eight weeks later, he said, God, I... I hope we can figure this out. And I went, <laughs> I had a heart attack. I said, what do you mean? He goes, it's all there in theory. This will work. And I'm like, you, sometimes you just got to lead with your heart and, and figure out the details later. And we did this. We've run through this, through this pandemic 
We've run five live stream mania conventions, five health and fitness business summits. A nutrition summit is coming up, a personal training apex convention, an active aging conference. And our latest one, we're just doing this weekend, we have 250 aqua exercise summit. I'm like, I didn't know there were 250 <laughs> aqua exercise teachers in, you know, wherever. And what we're doing is we're, we figured out, we, cause we do, we're heavy into analytics. Um, 60% of our attendees have never attended one of our live events. And we've been doing conferences for 36 years in Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, Boston. I mean, it's like in 60 percent, we get people from now all over the world. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to fly into Chicago for a convention or fly to Georgia. You know, I don't know if they'll show Whatever, up. Yeah, however they want to consume it, you know, is probably the right way to. And we're, we're going to try to do it, it hybrid. We have That's no great. idea how we're going to do it hybrid, but I guarantee you I'll start advertising it wild at heart and figure this crap out, right? That's great. Well, it's <laughs> great to talk to you. Um, I'm glad you've been able to help so many people over the last 12 months and continue to have people looking forward on, on how to optimize their business and optimize their lives. I feel like we've done kind of a crash course and hit everything from like a Seinfeld episode to like a business school crash course. So great to see you and I look forward to meeting you up in uh, person, uh, either at Ursa or before then. And thanks for uh, all the contributions to the industry. Well, this is just a pleasure. And I've been a huge fan of Halo for awesome. quite some time now. And I'm really honored and just, I so appreciate being included. Thank you. Peter. Awesome. All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye. thank my friends at Burn B-R-R-R-N for sponsoring this podcast. They are the innovative company behind the world-renowned Burn Board. Many of you don't know, I was one of the top roller hockey players in all of Nassau County back in 1988 to 1990. If I had a Burn Board, watch out, I would probably be an NHL legend. Got a seven-day free trial on their on-demand library of hundreds of workouts. $30 off the purchase. Check it out at shop.theburn.com. We'll have it in the show notes. Use the checkout code HALO and go burn it on the burn board. Ice hockey in your living room at home fitness. Low cost, low tech, low impact. Go Halo, burn it up.